We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. He's got a great story about being in Tallahassee. I've asked him to share that. Would you make him feel welcome this morning here at Christian Heritage? Anthony DeMauro from Chi Alpha, Florida State University. Thank you so much, Pastor Steve. It is a privilege to be with you guys this morning. You guys excited? God is doing some good things here in Tallahassee through CHC and in his kingdom. Chi Alpha. What is that? Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship. We are an outreach. We are not a church. We are an outreach on the university campuses to get the gospel going forward. I don't need to twist your arm today to have you to admit that America needs Jesus. We send missionaries all overseas and they're needed. I went to college studying theology and intercultural communications, expecting that God would send me somewhere far overseas. I became a Christian when I was eight years old. At 14, I felt the call to missions. Graduated high school, went to get a missions degree, excited to go all over the world. I was sitting in missions classes and they would say, Anthony, I'm going to Brazil. Someone would say, I'm going to China. Where are you going? I would say, the world. I had no idea. I couldn't answer specifically. And as I was there, I was saying, God, what are you doing with my life? Have you ever had that question? Just me. You guys are holy. God speaks to you on a download. I like it. But for me, I was like, God, you called me here. I'm following you. Look, in my life, there are several things that I've had to surrender to the Lord at different points in my life. Uh, growing up, from the time I was born, my mother had multiple sclerosis, and she, had a, she lived in a nursing home from the time I was one and a half on. So I grew up never really knowing my mother. My grandmother stepped in. There was a moment I remember when my grandmother passed away. I was just an early teenager. My heart broke. I said, God, what are you doing? My mother passed away when I was 20 years old. My heart broke. My father passed away when I was 23. And when I was 23, it was around the time that God called me into Chi Alpha, and I'll explain that a little bit. So all throughout my life, I've had these things that I've had to surrender to the Lord. Now, Chi Alpha being uh, missions on a secular university campus, it was never in my radar growing up. Feeling called into ministry at eight years old, missions at 14. It wasn't until God had me praying on a university campus for about two years, and I didn't even know I was on a university campus. I'm going to share something with you, and I hope that you don't judge me. Is that okay? I'm an Italian man born in Brooklyn, New York. I'm not, as someone has said it once, I'm not from around here, except they said it a little differently. You're not from around here because you ain't never used the word y'all. And I was like, and no offense in that uh, illustration, but I'm an Italian man born in Brooklyn, New York. I grew up my whole life within about 50 miles of Manhattan and where I, where I was born in Brooklyn. I graduated college, went on staff at a church. God was doing amazing things, working with children, junior hires, young adults. And God, I was walking through Washington Square Park in New York City. And as I was walking through the park with my sister, we were just getting out uh, something to eat. Don't judge me there either. <laughs> we're walking through this park and God says, Anthony, pray for this area. I get very confused. God, what? Anthony, pray for this area. So I start to pray. And I start having a conversation with the Lord, Lord, is there someone that you want me to witness to? Someone that you want to tell about you? Like, I wasn't a missionary, but I still was missional at that point in my life. And he said, Anthony, just pray. And so I began to pray. And I started to go back to Washington Square Park for two years. Until one day I was going out with a group of friends, walking down the street, and God audibly said, Anthony, Chi Alpha. 
I said, what? For two years, God had me praying on, in Washington Square Park, which is the main hub for New York University, for two years praying for college campuses, and I didn't even know I was on a college campus. Fast forward, God calls me, I buried my parents, I buried my father, moved to Tallahassee because God has just called me to Chi Alpha. I come to work at Florida State University Chi Alpha, which has been going for over 20 years, and we've recently just finished our paperwork to be at FAMU, and so God is doing amazing things, and keep us in prayer as we expand to TCC. America needs God, our campuses need God. Uh, Over 80% of all uh, Christians come to know Jesus Christ before they're 25 years old. If you became a Christian before you're 25, would you raise your hand in this room? Look around. Chi Alpha campus ministry is one of the last windows into people's lives outside of tragedy when they're open to the gospel. And so what we do, I'm, I'm mixing all these stories together. I hope if you have ADD, I'm your best friend. If you don't, you're going to hate the way I speak. I apologize. On a secular university campus, There's so many students that don't know Jesus. It's one of the last moments that they're open to the gospel. And so we're there to come alongside of them like Philip and the Ethiopian who was in his chariot reading Isaiah. And he said, do you know what this means? Do you know in America we are saturated with the gospel? As it was stated, there's almost a church nearly on every corner. But there are so many students, so many people here that do not know who Jesus is in terms that they can understand. Chi Alpha, what we do as a campus ministry, we motivate Christians to be missional on that campus. So I'm moved to Tallahassee. I get here. I just buried my father, just walking through tragedy. I'm saying, God, what do you have for me? And it was my first year doing Chi Alpha campus ministry at Florida State. It was a little bit of recovery for me. The need is great on that campus. I remember... A, My own sister, I'll share this story. In the Northeast, she went to Rutgers University. As she was there, uh, grew up in a Christian home, knew God, loved God her whole life. In college, she's taken advantage of by a gentleman, and it destroys her faith, wrecks her faith. She was away from her home, away from her family, away from her church. And look, there's an issue on college campuses, not just Florida State, not just Tallahassee, all over the country. And she had no Christian community to get connected with. And for 10 years, walked away from her faith, not understanding how God could let another person take advantage of her in a sexual way. Chi Alpha, what we do is bring the body of Christ into one of the most needed places on the secular university while students are open to the gospel and while we have a chance to, to show them who Jesus Christ is, much like Philip in the Ethiopian, explaining, look, this is what the gospel says. This is who Jesus is. It's a privilege to partner with CHC in reaching these campuses in Tallahassee. God had me praying on university campuses for two years before he ever called me here. And I get here, and I'm just going to share briefly uh, right now, and I'll continue the story. When I first got here, I'm thinking, God, I'm following you. We did a, the ministry was going, so I wasn't the director at the time. We did a beach retreat. I'm from New York. I moved down here uh, February of 2009. We're doing a beach retreat in Panama City Beach. I'm thinking, this is amazing because I just left snow. I'm on this beach retreat. And as I'm there doing ministry, God is just showing up, and we're having a great guy's time in Chi Alpha. 
The bunk that I choose on that beach retreat has ringworm all over it. So a little bit later, I get ringworm all over my back. At that point, I was not a married man. I was single. And so I had a roommate. His name was Kyle. That's important to know because you should probably still pray for him. Uh, He had to put medicine on my back. It It was very humbling. So seriously, remember his name and pray for him. And I'm thinking, God, you called me here. You placed me here. I get this skin infection. What are you doing with my life? Have you ever had a tough moment as you're walking through things? Look, it's going to get real. You you okay for me to get real? Is that okay? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Jesus says this. Go into all the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is the last words of Jesus to his disciples. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm a person that studied missions, that, go, that is in ministry here in Tallahassee, reaching a secular university campus. Because three of those four places that Jesus said, you don't even need a passport. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria were right within the arm's reach of Israel. And he says to the ends of the earth, because wherever you find yourself, may you bring this gospel with you. America needs Jesus. Our campus needs Jesus. And you know who Jesus wants to bring that message there? You and me. And there are moments when we get so distracted by life. Moments where we get so distracted by our problems, our issues. Has that ever happened to you? I remember after praying my parents, my heart being broken, called to ministry, Jesus not telling me where to go until I'm praying. I was so confused. I didn't know what to do. My first year in Tallahassee getting ringworm, I was in a position in my life where I was heartbroken, confused, upset, and frustrated. And I grew up with the Lord and I knew him my whole life. I knew how to deal with issues of burying my parents. I knew how to deal with issues of, of just my heart breaking with my mother's MS. And then God took things to a new level. And I'll explain what that is in a minute. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 11. I'll explain briefly in Matthew chapter 10. Chapter before this, Jesus is explaining to his disciples how to go out two by two to do ministry. Matthew chapter 11, it picks up with the story of John the Baptist. Someone that we know, John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit of God from the time he was within his mother's womb. Before he was even born, God gave John his presence. John was the one who was like the Elijah The prophet, the forerunner of Jesus, explaining, uh, make your heart right, prepare the way of the Lord. Make your heart right, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Get your heart right with God now, while you still can. Because God is reaching out to us. That was the message of John the Baptist. He was baptizing people. It was John that baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And it was, John was there when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. John experienced this. Even at seeing Jesus, he said, look, behold, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. John knew who Jesus was, 
He was filled with the Spirit of God to be a forerunner in ministry, to prepare the way of Jesus for the nation of Israel, so that Israel would hear the gospel message. But life in chapter 10 and 11 gets difficult for John. John gets thrown in prison because John, as a prophet, was calling out King Herod on a sin. He was having an affair with his brother's wife, his brother's wife, and John the Baptist called him out on that sin and was thrown in prison. And it's while John was in prison, if we look up commentators, he was in prison for about a year before his life was ultimately taken. During that year, John sends this message to Jesus. And we'll start reading Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples, these are John's disciples, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? In other words, Jesus, are you who you say you are? Are you truly Messiah? Are you God? Or should I start looking for someone else? And we'll keep going. And Jesus answered him, verse 4, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. Verse 6, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began speaking to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there have not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We'll pause there. John is in prison. He is a forerunner of Jesus. He knows Jesus. He's called by God, filled with God's spirit to do ministry, finds himself in prison. And at that moment in prison, he starts asking Jesus, Jesus, are you who you say you are? I'll make the parallel for us really similar. We have situations in our lives that come up and we ask the question, God, where are you right now? Have you ever done that? Jesus, make sense of this moment. Make sense of this situation. I know you can heal. I know you can do amazing things. One of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen is someone who is so desperate in need of healing, praying for others to receive healing. Look, God, even death is a form of healing where Jesus really does take away all of our sin, all of our pain, and God wants to heal us now, but even if it it takes eternity, amen, praise God. There are moments in our lives when we think the world revolves around us. Our world revolves around us. And there are moments when complications happen that we are forced to say, Jesus, are you who you say you are? To break this down even simpler, there's a few things I think we can learn from John in this passage. When John had doubts or sent his disciples... Jesus didn't beat him up in that moment. You know what he did? He started to talk about John. What did you have to see? A prophet? Yes, more than a prophet. Of those, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Jesus is not beating up John for his moment of frustration or doubt. 
In our lives, we think that if we're struggling in our faith, we have to keep it to ourselves and do the religious smile. Not, not you. We have to do the religious smile. We can't let anybody know that we're struggling. We can't let anybody know that we have a problem or a moment of doubt or something that's overwhelming us. If you have an honest question with God, go to Him. Go to Him. Don't go to Facebook. Don't go to social media and vent how you feel. Go to Jesus. The one that won't reject you. Other people will judge you. Why are you even going to them to begin with? Go to the Lord. And here's the thing that I love. Is that John, who couldn't go to the Lord because he was in prison, sent some of his closest friends in the faith, his disciples, and said, go to Jesus on my behalf. Look, if you're in this church and you don't have a community around you of close friends where iron sharpens iron, as the Bible says, you are in a very lonely place. You need people in your life, be it your pastors, the elders, your small group, core group, whatever you call it. If you're just attending here on a Sunday, you need more from the body of Christ. So John had a group of people to rely on that said, you know what, I'm having questions, go to God on my behalf. In this room, when you have a struggle, when you have a fear, when you have a doubt, may you go to God yourself. And when you do not have the ability or the strength, may you have the community of this church to go to God on your behalf. First thing that we can learn from John in this situation, he did very well. He went to Jesus, and when he couldn't get there, he sought him through community. What do you do in your life when you have a struggle? Second thing that we see here. Those that have been born, there's not been anyone greater than John the Baptist. All prophets, if you continue, all prophets have prophesied until John. That's what the word says as as you keep reading. What does that mean? Do you realize every prophet in the Old Testament had a glimpse of the Messiah, had a glimpse of Jesus. And when Jesus is saying all of them prophesied until John, Jesus is pretty much saying, look, you don't need prophecy anymore. I'm here in the flesh. You don't need, you don't need to hear about me through, through visions and prophetic utterances. I am here. You can know me. Everyone prophesied until John. And he was the greatest in this, that he had the most full revelation of Jesus Christ than any other prophet before him. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Several ways that we can look at that, and it's certainly controversial in how Bible scholars pick apart this passage. It can absolutely mean least in humility, servant of all, absolutely. You know one other way that that word is translated? Not often, but younger. But he who is younger is greater than he. Why would Jesus say that? Do you realize... Over 2,000 years later, you and your Bible have more understanding of God's plan for reaching this world than any of the Old Testament prophets. You have a a fuller understanding of what the gospel is than anyone in that Bible. Because we can look over human history, look at the prophecies leading up to Jesus, Jesus coming on the scene, the words of Jesus, God in human flesh. Teaching us how to live. Our revelation 
of God loving and reaching out to humanity is so full, you know more than every Bible writer that written in that Bible. Maybe not in experience, maybe not in that we don't apply ourselves. But the truth is, through history and the totality of God's word, we can have a fuller understanding. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We'll have a better picture of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ, than anyone today. That's what Jesus is saying. But do we live it? Do you know that you have the gospel in a way at your fingertips that if you applied yourself, you can transform Tallahassee? You have the gospel at your fingertips that you have more information about Jesus Christ than every prophet that has ever spoken in that Bible. That is something that we should celebrate. Look, I'm not badgering you. What I'm telling you is this. His church needs to rise up. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to testify. If we're Christians and Jesus is the center of this thing, we need to understand all that we can about him. And I realize some moments that's difficult. And even a prophet as sure as John was confused. You might have more access to the gospel, a more full understanding than anyone in the older even New Testament, because we can see the full picture through the Bible and through history of what God is doing in humanity. But if we're defeated by life and not living missional, we need to go to God and ask him the most desperate question. Are you who you say you are, or should I look for another? You might know in your head that Jesus is Lord, but if in your life you're doubting, You need a moment coming to God. I don't want to be silly and say it's only at universities that students have saturation to the gospel but never know Jesus. May we explain the gospel in terms that this world can understand. And if life has dealt you a bad hand and it hurts, I can understand. But Jesus, through that, wants to give you more, bring you more. In this case, in John's life, let me tell you a secret. It's not really a secret. John was beheaded shortly after this. John died. John is literally in prison saying, are you the Messiah or should I look for another? Jesus, I've been about your kingdom. I've been about your business. I've baptized you. I've been your forerunner. I've called the nation of Israel to repentance. If you are Messiah, if you're supposed to save the world, start through me. Have you ever wondered that? Jesus, if you bring healing, start in my life. Jesus, if you've ever done the miraculous with finances, please do it here. And Jesus' response to John, it's a picture of the Messiah. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the gospel is preached to the poor. The good news is shared with the poor. Blessed is the one, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who's not offended in me. In other words, John, I'm not going to do what you ask. But you will be blessed if you, if you can understand that I'm still Messiah. And I'm not going to meet you the way that you want me to meet you. There are things that you might be praying for and pray daily. Go before the Lord. This is what I tell students every time that we talk about things that they're having questions. Go to the Lord and pray and seek Him until He responds. He will say yes, He will say no, or He will be silent, but don't give up before He says. We don't need to fight the Lord when He's clear. 
But we need to fight to have an answer sometimes because God wants to see our faithfulness in pursuing Him. There are moments that we need to go beyond ourselves. Let me put it this way. Your brain, you have a brain, right? (laughs) Some of you are looking at me like, what? Yes, you have a brain. It weighs about three pounds. Brains, stop looking. Brains weigh about three pounds. Our three pounds up here in no way can understand God and all that he's doing. In no way can understand in the ways that he's talked to Job, the architect of the universe. Do you know? I have no idea. I have to be fully humble. But this is what I know, that God still loves me so much that he came down to me to explain the gospel in terms that I can understand. There are things that we'll never understand about faith. John ultimately lost his life because John, in his view of the Messiah, was if you're supposed to free us from Rome, if you're supposed to free and reclaim the place of the nation of Israel, if you're supposed to be this great leader, free me, take over. Peter even did this when he pulled out his sword and chopped off uh, the guard's ear. And Jesus said, this is not how I'm going to build my kingdom and healed his ear. The disciples even had it wrong, thinking of who they were serving, that Jesus was a political leader, someone that was going to overthrow Rome, and that God would be reigning in a physical kingdom on earth. No, Jesus reigns in the kingdom that is in your heart, and that God is authority over everything on earth and heaven. And it's not just politically in the U.S., it's not politically in China, it's not in any other way than the, the hearts of the children of God. And it's true, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. But it's not a physical kingdom by force that Jesus was raising. And so John is saying, if you're supposed to free us, start with me. If you're building your kingdom, start with me. Peter, on the day in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, if you're building your kingdom, start now. I'll be the first one to raise my sword. And we have doubts, we have misunderstandings about the gospel, we have a full revelation, but then we still want God to work on our terms. And that's where we get into trouble. John lost his life. He was beheaded. And Jesus' words were, you are blessed if you're not offended in me. Pray and seek God till he says yes or no, or tells you to keep pursuing. But don't give up for lack of asking. There are things through that prayer that God is developing in your life that your three pounds may never understand. But as the process continues, it will become clear. Let me give an illustration of that. April 11, 2009, a few months after burying my father, a few months after getting ringworm all over my back and that you guys will start praying for Kyle now. And he had to put medicine walking home from a student's house, April 11, 2009. That year was the night before Easter. As I'm walking home, Tallahassee, and even if you're, I know we have some gators in this room, even if you're a gator, Tallahassee and Gainesville are two of the worst college party towns in the country. They're always within the top ten, respectively. I was walking home from a student's house over by the stadium on West Pensacola, right by Mellow Mushroom. As I'm walking home, I lived about a block away And I'm originally from New York, so walking is not odd to me. April 11, 2009, right around 11 o'clock at night, I'm walking home. And there's a house party on Rivoli Road, that side street. Music's on, lights are going in there. You could, beer cans are all on the front porch. Everyone's inside, though. It It was still hot. 
And as I'm walking by, a car pulls up behind me. And I grew up in New York, and I'm thinking, okay. And I see that as they pull up and they stop, this person gets out of the car and he starts running in front of the headlights. And I'm thinking, okay, if you're getting out of this car, you're going to shut off your car, shut off the lights, and just go into the party. Why are you moving so fast? And why didn't you shut your headlights off? So I begin to turn and look. And as I turn, I see a man runs past me now because I looked, goes about 10 feet away, stops and comes back. Pulls out a 9mm handgun and holds it in my face. Says, give me everything you have or I'm going to kill you. I remember thinking, God, I just moved to Tallahassee. You've called me here. I studied missions. You didn't send me to China. You didn't send me to India. You sent me to Tallahassee. I just buried my father. I have a ton of school loans to do ministry. And now I'm here and there's a gun in my face. That's what went through my head very quickly. I just remember that gun in my face. I'm thinking, what in the world? Give me everything you have or I'm going to kill you. In that moment, I tell him, I, I don't have anything. I have my keys. I have my cell phone. I have my wallet, but no money. I said, man, this is, this is all I have. I have no cash. I'm sorry. Man, give me everything. Give me all of your money. Give me all of your cash. I, I have no money. I'm sorry. I didn't even have, it, as a New Yorker, what you would call mug money. That like five bucks that you keep tucked away that you just give someone so they leave you alone. I had nothing. In that moment, I, I grew up enough in church, and I remember hearing stories of how missionaries overseas would start to pray. So I began to pray out loud in English. God, I ask that you keep me safe, that your presence is here. Gun's still in my face like I'm talking to you. God, I ask that you keep me safe, that your presence is here. And then, I don't know your background, but that was the moment I started praying in the Spirit. I don't know what you were raised with or what your theology is. I am not Pentecostal because it is nice theologically. I am Pentecostal because it is a necessity to life. I I started praying in the Spirit. If there was ever a moment for the Holy Spirit to intercede for me, I thought it was right then with a gun in my face. And so I'm praying out loud in tongues. And I remember hearing stories when this happens that uh, one of two things would go down. One, an angel would be about 10 feet tall and appear behind the missionaries. Or that they would hear you pray in the spirit, think you are crazy and leave you alone. I was good with either option, just so you know. So I'm praying in English, God keep me safe. I start praying in the spirit. About 30 seconds later, I just feel a piece to close, and I close, and I said, amen. And that gun is still in my face, and he's looking at me, give me everything you have, or I'm going to kill you. And I was like, that didn't work right. (laughs) I have a conversation with God very quickly in my head. God, where are you? God, I don't understand. I thought you called me to so much more. And in my spirit, I just said, God, if this is what you wanted with my life, I hope I served you well. And in that moment, Jesus spoke. As if I'm talking to you. And he said, Anthony, speak. I said, what? He said, Anthony, speak. And I so wish my parents were alive at this point, because if they were, I would tell them that even God had to repeat himself when he wanted me to do something. So every time you have to repeat yourself to get your children to do something, remember, we have problems. Anthony, speak. And in that moment, I start talking to the man with a gun in my face about Jesus Christ. It's the night before Easter. 
God loves you. He gave his son to die for you. What would happen to you if you were to die tonight? And at that moment, he must have thought I was crazy. Because there's a gun in my face, and I'm talking to him about him dying. I said, man, I'm going to kill you. Give me everything you have. I said, no, God loves you. You don't have to do this. He went from the ground, from my face, pointed down towards the ground, and pulled the trigger. I was wearing shorts and flip-flops, and the first thing that I did was count my toes. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. When I heard that gun go, I was making sure they were all there. They were. He went up from the ground back to me, right up to my face. Give me everything you have, or I'm going to kill you. And again, I said, I don't have anything, and you don't have to do it. And I started walking towards him. I started walking towards him. My hands extended. You don't have to do this, and God loves you. He got so unsettled that he started to back away. At that moment, there was another gentleman that came up from behind me, felt my back left pocket, and stood next to the gunman. And as I continued walking over to them, they just started to move towards their vehicle. Got about 15 feet away, pointed the gun at me, pulled the trigger, it didn't hit me. They got in the truck, backed down the road, and drove off. I just remember thinking, what in the world just happened? I knew I didn't want to continue walking down the street because they could just go around the corner, come back and shoot me from the car. So I went up to that house party that had the lights on. <laughs> and as I walk up to the, those steps, I remember just seeing blood pooling in my left flip-flop. That The bullet came in, hit me in the left side of my calf and came out the back. Went through and through. I just remember thinking, really? Had my cell phone, called 911. Police came, ambulance came, brought me to TMH. I was the happiest shot person that they have ever seen in that ER. <laughs> Got there around 11.30. Do a blood pressure test, make sure my vein is good in my leg. Uh, they do an x-ray to make sure the bullet is out. And then they give me a tetanus shot to make sure that there's no infection. Starts through tetanus. And uh, tell me to put Neosporin at each end of the bullet wound, where it went in and where it came out. Keep my leg wrapped up and use crutches for six weeks. This has nothing to do with the gospel. However, if you ever get shot, try Neosporin first. It can save you thousands of dollars at a hospital. That's my leg healed with Neosporin at each end for six weeks. The next day was Easter Sunday. I get home, it's 4 a.m., 8 a.m., I'm on campus because we're doing this Easter outreach that year. Everyone who even is remotely close to God goes to church on Easter. And so I'm there on Easter setting up. I was the guy who knew how to set up all the AV and the technical stuff. And as I was there setting up, people asked me, what happened? I'm there on my crutches. No, I'll tell you about it later. Worship team is practicing. I'm in the back of the room. And I have a conversation with the Lord as I'm sitting in a chair. I said, Jesus, where were you last night? Very dangerous thing to ask God. You want to know what he said? He said, Anthony, I gave my life to tell this world that I love them. You have a hole in your leg, and you told one person, drop your pride. I was 23 years old, called to missions at 14, called to ministry at 8. And I was there saying, God, where were you? Why didn't you keep me safe? Why didn't you protect me, Anthony? You have a hole in your leg and you told one person, drop your pride. He didn't leave me there. God is so great. You know what he said? He said, Anthony, when you were a boy, when you were eight years old, I called you to share my word with those that don't know. Why did you want me to show up any other way?
church. That was a moment in my life where my priority was my comfort and not my calling. Church, our calling is to make sure the gospel goes forward on this planet no matter what. But we get comfortable in how we like things. We get comfortable in thinking, God, my situation is tough. God, I can't do it. God, don't you know what I walk through? John the Baptist is probably thinking the same thing. I've served you. I've baptized you. Where are you when I'm in need? You are blessed if you're not offended in me. Your calling is the goal. The purpose of us being here as a church, as Christians here in Tallahassee, is that the gospel might go forward in a place that it brings freedom to people who will go to hell without Jesus. That is the goal of us gathering every Sunday in churches. That is the goal of Chi Alpha on a secular university hosting services so students can meet other Christians, be missional in their faith, and share the gospel with those who do not know. That is our purpose, and may we never sacrifice our calling and our purpose for our comforts. But too often that happens in your life. What is the thing that's distracting you from your purpose? What is distracting you right now from serving the gospel, from loving others through missions, by living missional where you work, the people that you see? You might say, my work is too much. My family is too much. Praise God. He has a missionary in the midst of the problem, amidst of the darkest place on earth, and he wants you to bring the gospel. If you only will. You have a more full understanding than every prophet ever written in this Bible. Yet we forget our purpose. We forget our calling. And we live for our comforts. May we never make that mistake with the gospel. Let me finish the story of me getting shot. Two years later, it goes to trial. They caught the gentlemen that were there. The one gentleman that came up and felt my back left pocket. He came up to me at the trial, asked for forgiveness, said he was trying to follow the Lord. Then the moment that I started praying in the Spirit, he knew what he was doing was wrong. He needed to change his ways and pursue God. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ without any altar call. I had no idea why I got shot. I had no idea what God was doing behind the scenes. I'm thinking, God, where are you? You're not showing up. And yet someone will spend eternity in heaven with God. It's not about me. It's not about you. And there is a price to making sure the gospel goes forward. But so often we can get distracted. Will you stand for a moment? I just want to pray for you. And then I'll turn things over. We're not dismissing. I'll turn it over to Pastor Steve. Lord, you know every need in this room. Every person that needs physical healing, every person that's walking through issues, Lord, we pray for freedom. Freedom, God, we stand in this place acknowledging your presence is greater than all. Lord, there are moments when we wanted our comforts over our calling. May you forgive us and may we live for you fully. I ask you to stand for one reason. Because the gospel calls for action. We can't be a church sitting down any longer. That's right. Come on, Anthony.
You're standing as a representation that the gospel will cost you something. It will cost your time. It will cost your comfort. It will cost money. If we're serious about the gospel going forward, we have to move. Amen. You might be going through a situation in your life right now that might be distracting you from your calling as a Christian to make sure the gospel goes forward as a witness. If that's you, nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand? And I'm just going to pray for you briefly and then pass it over. Pass it over to Pastor Steve. I see hands in this room. We're just going to pray. God, I thank you that you've called us to action, that you've called us to movement. You see every hand in this room, people that are walking through things that they don't understand, like John the Baptist. And we pray this, God, may your words to John be true in our lives. That we are blessed if we're not offended in you. That if we don't look to you to provide in the way that we need you to or want you to. May you do what you will. Because you are God and we don't always understand. But we know that you are faithful. And will do the miraculous as we move to being missional. And making sure your gospel goes forward. And every hand that's raised, God, may you be the difference in their situation. And may we serve you faithfully no matter how you show up. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.